Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Listeners, and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey. I'm here today with Richard. Hello, Richard. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> Very good. Now, Captain Lee sent his away team, that's Richard and myself, for this very important mission. So he's not here with us this week. Um, but joining us today is Patrick Devlin. He is associate producer on Metatrex. Patrick, welcome to Earl Grey. Well, thanks for the invite, guys. We are so excited to have you, and you came up with a fabulous topic that we haven't um, discussed, and that is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. So, Patrick, what um, made you think about Captain Picard, and what do you like about him? Well, he's my favorite captain, and um, oddly enough, he's also the most militant of the captains, which doesn't show too much if you don't pay attention to the other series, because he seems friendly and nice, which you wouldn't think of like a captain of say like a navy vessel but he really distances himself from the crew keeping them kind of at arm's length um so that when he does have to send them off you know if they die well it sucks but he wasn't really friendly with them in the first place i mean that's kind of how it works ouch <laughs> yeah i no, i totally agree with that assessment yeah he, he's definitely one of the more militant i mean you would think that someone like a combat officer like cisco but then again you know even um even in the most you know harshest of environments or or, or even situations you grow fonder uh, with those who are around you so and usually those were his crew so but yeah um yeah he's definitely one of the more um militant ones yeah come to think of it well, isn't Janeway known for being like the one who follows like the um, the Federation, the rules exactly, and she's sort of obsessed with it? I mean, wouldn't she be considered more militant like that because she's always worried about the Federation and the rules and Starfleet? Yeah, I mean, she was very much similar to Picard. Um, when they designed her character, they designed it very much like like. Picard, but but she has a lot more uh, close knit relationships with the rest of the crew, partially because they're stuck in the middle of nowhere with no one else. So they kind of were forced into bridging those gaps. Where, like, if you look at like um, all the all the episodes where they bring up poker games, nobody he, Picard never plays. I think if that was Janeway, she would have played because it's kind of just what you did on the ship. She had a, a much friendlier relationship with Tuvok. Um, and, uh, obviously Chakotay, who everyone wanted her to end up with, but, um, but like that, you don't see that with, with, um, Picard with one exception and that's Beverly Crusher. And really even that's militant because it's really because her husband died under his watch. Hmm. Kind of like she, kind of like he owed her one. Right. It, it was more of like, they, they were friendly, but they weren't really friends, friends. They, it was like, he just felt he kind of owed it to to hit the person that he lost to take care of her and her son. Jack Crusher. Yep. More of like a guardian of the Crusher family. 
Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even though it was his fault. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not, we're not, we're not placing any blame. Well, I mean, Jack, Jack Crusher died in the line of duty and that's where we're going to keep it. <laughs> not pointing any fingers, but the initials are John Luke Picard. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Yeah. You know, I've been very critical of Janeway and you know, she bounces back and forth. There's no, there's no really middle really. I mean, uh, except for when they get to the end of the uh, of Voyager and um, that's what drove me nuts about um, Janeway was that, okay. So she was to the book, obviously in the beginning of the, uh, 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 of the series, kind of like every, every captain. I mean, basically, I mean, well, that's not necessarily true with, uh, with Archer, but, uh, except for two with, with the Paul, but like, um, when, whenever they, t- whenever they start off the episodes or start off the series, they're very to the book, they uh, obviously new command and everything. And they want everything to go well. And obviously relationships form and build and whatever and whatnot. But like with Janeway, it was very straight and narrow. And then it got worse and more, worse and worse when it came to like, um, being a straight edge captain by the book and everything, especially when Equinox happened. And, um, and then I, once then she went through her depression and everything. And then I guess she became a friendlier captain. I don't know. <laughs> they had potlucks at the holodeck or, or at 10 forward or, or not 10 forward, um, the mess hall. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I know, I know TGJ is going to hate it, even though I just became an associate producer for them, <laughs> but I, I don't like how Janeway's written. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's true though with her. Cause she does kind of, I think though, I'm sorry. I'm like jumping topics here. She does change drastically right around Equinox, but I think a lot of it had to do with the time, the time frame the show was made. And you know, when it first came out, people were like, Oh, you can't have a female captain. That's preposterous. So they wanted to make her as straight-laced as possible so no one had anything to complain about. And then as they got deeper into the series, they realized they could take a little more liberties with the character. Well, they didn't I want think, to go as far as Kirk. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy, go ahead. No. Well, I think with Janeway, like, I think that she definitely did care for her crew, maybe a little bit more so, especially when Neelix comes on and, you know, she says, you're going to be the crew morale officer. And, you know, she really wanted to ensure that the crew, especially on that long voyage, you know, and like you said, they're stuck in the middle of nowhere, that she definitely had the welfare of her crew in the forefront of her mind and, and was very aware of that. Oh yeah, they even bring it up at the very end, the very last episode, where she comes back to stop her from doing. I can't really remember what happened in the last episode because I didn't plan on talking about uh, Voyager. But she she comes back to stop herself from doing something stupid that ends up causing a lot of problems for the crew in the long run. Um, she didn't do that because of a sense of duty because she could have just said, "Hey, look, I thought it was the best of the time, and that was what it was." She did it because she missed all those people. You don't get the feeling that. Kirk would, uh, Kirk Picard would really necessarily miss all those people. He might not like the outcome, but he would see it more as you were in the line of duty and that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. Her emotions uh, drive uh, early, drove her, um, her, but we're not talking about Janeway. <laughs> we're not supposed to be talking about Janeway. Well, we're comparing. <laughs> no, right, right. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but like definitely when she was older, I mean, her emotions definitely, um, Got the best of her. I get. I, I, no, no, that's not right. That's not correct to say. Not really best of her. She she's more driven towards her emotions. At, at not as much as she was, obviously during the 
20 years or seven years or whatever perspective you want to have it. Yeah. yeah I think she was, uh, I think she learned to use her emotions and feelings more, you know, and I think you, you saw that over the progression of the series. And, and again, because they were in the Delta quadrant, they only had each other. Right. Um, and so I think that that war, not war on her, but that became more important. And so she was trusting her feelings more and therefore, you know, had a more intimate relationship with the crew than Picard did. Right. And it worked for her. So yeah. why not? I mean, you know, it, 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 people didn't die unnecessarily and stuff. So, you know, Picard did have Jack Crusher die and maybe that turned him to, to distance himself more from people as time went on. Cause he never wanted to lose a, a buddy again. You know, his, in my opinion, his best friend, and I could be totally wrong, but his best friend on the ship was data. It's a robot. I mean, it's, it's an Android, but yes, a safe relationship, just, you know, right. You can, even if he dies, you can, if you look at like the video games, uh, you know, spoilers for anyone who's listening to this, but didn't watch the movies, uh, when data dies, he doesn't really die. Cause he comes back in the video games as data because he had downloaded himself into, into, um, lore or the other the third robot the third. before. Before. before there you go before so <laughs> once he did that then they took that programming out of before and put it back into a data and data's back <laughs> so even if he loses data he doesn't necessarily lose data yeah he was friendly ish with Warv. he was friendly with with jordy but he didn't build strong relationships he didn't even build a strong relationship with his his uh, with Riker. uh Riker, you know yeah. Yeah, which in contrast, you mentioned uh, Captain Jonathan Archer from Enterprise. I mean, you see that friendship that he has with Trip definitely sort of got them into trouble because there were many times when Captain Archer was like, Trip, you need to step back. I'm the captain and, you know, sort of put him in his place because they did have such a friendship there. Right. And that started pre-show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Before the, before their voyage. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and that was, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, um, Archer. enterprise, but yeah, well, Archer in general, cause I love uh, quantum leap too, but um, <laughs> who doesn't, you know, <laughs> but that show in general, like the whole thing was just different because no one's ever done it before. So they were kind of like in the beginning of that show, they were just like all best buddies going out on a voyage. Like they were like a bunch of, of people just jumping in the car and driving out on a weekend getaway, you know? <laughs> nice. Then, I like that. Yeah. But by season three, they, he was, that's it. We're going to go. And it was a militant ship. Yeah. And he had to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As, as a whole cohesive unit should be, that's exactly how they're supposed to be. But I, I know I'm going to shoot myself in the foot when I say this, because it's going to validate Zach's and uh, Ken's uh, interpretation of our, of our show. <laughs> but like, it's just like a hotel. I mean, you don't see the staff very often. So of course the, you know, whoever running the hotel is not going to, is not going to mingle with uh, those who do towels and, and laundry and all that kind of stuff. So it, cause it's so big and you know, it's a big, or it's a very big, you know, ship. So not everyone, he can't see everyone. So I guess he's distant because of that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But even like the very beginning, Kirk in the very beginning, they, they say to him, Oh, well, you know, there's families on board or you know, having that conversation. He basically says, I hate kids. I don't want any, I don't want them anywhere near this place. And that was like the very starting point of him. He didn't want kids on board at all. I think he's, 
I'm not trying to split hairs here, <laughs> but I think he said <laughs> that he's uncomfortable with children. I don't think he ever said that he, he yeah, hates children. Say he hates them, but I'm going to remember yeah. it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's headcanon. Yes. Okay, there we go. Okay. But no, but he didn't want them on board, you know, and like you said, they made a big deal of that in the beginning, and then it never really came into play. It was just like a way to get Wesley on the ship without it seeming weird. Um because they never really brought up the kids again. They, they had a few episodes here and there with them, but it was never, it was never massive family outings going on on, on Enterprise. Well, again, it just goes to your point that, you know, Picard is the captain and he's going to keep that distance, even though there are families and who doesn't love children. I mean, okay, Captain Picard, you know, <laughs> again, distancing himself and he has that, you know, anxious tension when it's Captain Picard day and oh, why do I have to go to this, you know, and you can see that awkwardness that he has, but yet again, showing that distance that he likes to keep with him and the crew. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, um, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was just odd how, how he's like really the only captain that goes through that too. You know, Kirk, um, uh, Spock and, uh, McCoy are like best friends throughout the whole series. Um, then you have, you have uh trip and, and, uh, uh, Archer. there you go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm losing <laughs> right here. Um, you have basically the whole Voyager crew at some point intermingles with each other in different ways. And deep space nine was kind of odd because first he, first Cisco doesn't like, um, uh, there we go again. I can't remember her name. Um, Kira. Kira, and then by the end, they're like best friends. I mean, so all of that happened, but it never really happened for Picard. You never turned around and went, oh, there's his best friend from the whole series. Just so you, you think, because I sort of feel that Cisco is distant as well with his crew, um, and maybe it's the way that the show is written that, you know, because he has this special designation as being a prophet, right? Am I right? Yes. Okay. So that sort of automatically puts this distance between him and the show focuses more on that. But um, would you say Cisco and Kira are best friends? I mean, I know that he comes definitely to rely on her just as much as Riker or uh, Picard relies on Riker, but I. I didn't pick up that Cisco had deep relationships. I thought he was more similar to Picard. Towards the end, I, I felt that he had more relations with them. Even with um, Odo, he, he had become more friendly, although Odo's really just hard to get close to because he's so blank um, in general. Um, but but I, I felt that he did get closer, and like the, the baseball game episode really showed that off mm-hmm. because he went from, like, I have to beat the Vulcans to – at the end, he went. They don't win the game, and they're like celebrating like they won. And Logan's like, "But you lost." He goes, "Nah, we really didn't. It's fine, you know." But um, and th- those kind of like bonding activities happened somewhat on the show. Um, I also felt once he realized and accepted that he was the prophet, then his relationships opened up more. Plus, his son was on board, which which made there's a relationship you didn't see on other shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he and uh, I think yeah, uh, you, you're you hit the nail right on the head when it comes to like Cisco is probably the closest one to Picard, um, mainly because like once he once he got 
once he got comfortable with being the prophet. And on top of that, I think, I think it's because, you know, they've seen some action together. I think they, uh, and you know, they've done quite a bit together. I mean, especially during, especially during the Klingon war, um, or at least the Klingon story arc, they, they really started to gel together and actually become a, a team in a sense, but like it, it really get back to Picard. Um, I, I don't, you know, come to think of it. I was thinking about this, this whole relationship with the enterprise crew and Picard and just seeing just thinking of ways that he actually tried to be, I, I guess a commander. I mean, a com- I mean, a commander needs to know what's going on uh, with, with whatever, with his, with the, with the people that he's, he's got, um, he's, he's over. And I can't really think of really episodes, uh, that he becomes that, uh, like some, any of any kind of personality, except for, uh, except for when they start going like season four or, or something, it was pretty late or at least I didn't, I didn't feel that. Did you guys feel that way? Or, I mean, maybe Riker is probably the only one, but in data, obviously, but like anyone else, I mean, well, crusher too. <laughs> Yeah, you're start. <laughs> I forgot about those three. And okay, yeah. <laughs> well, he does have the relationship with Crutcher up front, and I think the episode where Wesley gets in trouble for the um, stunt that went wrong and the first duty yes. when Wesley's mm-hmm. at the academy. Yeah, I mean, he was he he was mad at Wesley, but it was more of like a fatherly a disappointment in the fact that he tried to lie and cover it up than the fact that it actually happened. Right. Right. And going on that, like Picard really does challenge his crew to grow. And I think that's one example where he's really pushing Wesley to tell the truth and to stand up and to hold Starfleet morals. You know, I, he does that so many times, like in Ensign's of command where data has to take control of the situation and, all right, data, you have to handle it, you know, and it pushes him to expand his programming, if you will, um, into that leadership role. Um, I don't want to split hairs again, but that was actually Riker. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, it was Riker. It was Riker. The one where data is pulling out and the Shellyak. Yeah, it was Riker. Cause he was, uh, cause he was talking the right, uh, cause, uh, Deanna and Picard were look, uh, were looking at, uh, regulations to combat or to figure out the Shellyak situation. And Riker was the one that was talking to, um, um, uh, to data about, um, uh, talking to the, uh, to the villagers, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> colonists or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was Riker. No. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Let me. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's see. Right. This ain't no stuff, Richard. Here, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, okay. The okay, okay. android second officer, Lieutenant Commander Dater, takes the shuttlecraft to the planet to coordinate the evacuation, as he is the only crew member unaffected by the radiation. Uh, all right, all right. I'll give you that one. All right, fine. Okay, fine, fine, fine. All right. <laughs> but if I'm right, I'm not. I'm, I'm reading just kidding. It. I'm, I'm sure. If, I'm sure someone will chime in after this airs on the <laughs> network and tell which one is right. So. And say Amy is right. 
I will expect to hear it, listeners. You uh, just go ahead. So, but no, but I mean, so getting back to the point where Picard really pushes his crew, um, like when also with Worf, when he was dishonored or disaccommodated from the Klingon Empire and like uh, just right after that, like some Klingons would come on board and Worf would hide and, and Picard calls him out. It's like, dude, step up. You know, we are going to run into Klingons. And so you need to stop running away. And, you know, so he pushes Worf to be better, to help him grow in that hard time that he has. I don't know that episode, but it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. And I don't know the episode either because I'm yeah. terrible at episodes. But uh, well, also when Worf wanted to kill himself. Oh, mm. yeah. Um, Beverly Crusher was destroyed by this whole idea. Like it, it, it couldn't happen. It just was impossible. And if you can split hairs if I'm wrong, Richard, cause you will. Isn't it basically Picard who tells her you can't do anything about it. That's his belief system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a, that's a Federation ideal. That's more important to him that he lives up to the Federation ideals than it is that his friend, quote unquote, friend, you know, really crewmate is about to kill himself. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I, 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 I'm not going to split hairs with you on that one. I agree with you yeah. on that one. Well, I don't know. Maybe you didn't <laughs> say it. Maybe I was wrong with who said it. Um, and really, I mean, I think that's really Riker's point of the show is not his point, but that's one of the things they laid on Riker was to be the friendly one. Yeah. They split the friend from the captain on this show opposed to having it kind of be the same person. Agreed. Cause there's many times you find Riker in 10 forward. Right, hanging out. He's the one who runs the poker games, you know, and Data takes everyone's money. So, yeah. So, uh, which was a great scene when he finally teaches Data what a bluff is. Yeah. Like, Wait, but you have nothing. <laughs> Absolutely not. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, but, but that would, you'd never see Picard do that. No. No, because yeah. it's too personal and, you know, it's that whole mentality of, you know, uh, uh, command doesn't, doesn't mingle with the troops, basically. And, right. you know, I can see that working in garrison or something like that, or if you're not. But then again, I mean, they're, they're kind of like the chauffeur and hotel of the, of the Federation and, you know, taking back diplomats and all that kind of stuff, doing negotiations and stuff like that. But, I mean... It, I mean, from my, from my, I was just because from my experiences that a captain in garrison, or I'm sorry, a commander in garrison, um, yeah, they're not going to be too friendly, but out in the field, that's a whole different story. So yeah, I, I agree. Um, I have some, I have some experience with the military. Um, I was in the army actually, and I wouldn't want like my drill sergeant to be my best friend. No. But however, if I'm stationed with you in uh, even, let's say somewhere nice like Germany, it'd be a little better to be, for you to be more personable. Um, and I definitely wanted to know something about you in war, but you know, it's a little different. Like you said, they, they are kind of, they take the flagship, the biggest, the best, all the best weapons. And then they make them run back and forth around chauffeuring people. So it's a little odd, but <laughs> so, so I have a question for you. So you're talking about what you prefer. So have you been in a situation where your boss or leader or whatever, uh, you know, was strictly professional? Did you like that? And then compare it when, if you had a situation where your boss or leader was your friend? Um, well, okay. So a few things. If you're, if you're, uh, 
if you're a subordinate to an actual friend, someone you were friends with first, then it gets dicey. Or if someone works for you, that was a friend of yours first. It's kind of like the whole um, archer trip thing. No one knows where to stand, and it's kind of a push and pull kind of mentality. And I find more often than not, one takes advantage of the other, which didn't really happen in that show. That he just overstepped his bounds a few times. But um, I'm a, I'm an electrician in the union, so we do bounce shops. So um, my last boss of three years was straight laced, right by the book. Just he'll show up to the job, look at it, and leave. It was all right. I mean, he was a nice guy. He did me a few favors. You know, I helped him out things, whatever. Um, my current boss, I've only been working for for a year. I have a much better relationship with. He comes on, we talk sports. We BS about this job or what jobs are coming. And we'll talk about uh, vacations and stuff. And to be honest, I, I much rather this boss than the last one. And they're both nice enough. guy. I mean, neither one of them were bad guys, but I'd much rather a personable, someone I feel like I, I know and connect to over, you know, someone I don't. However, my current boss isn't sending me to die on random planets. So he, he <laughs> you're, not a, you're not a red shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you prefer the friendlier type. Uh, Richard, what about you? Um, so I've approached this uh, question several times and mainly because of my degree, it's uh, criminal justice. And, um, you know, we, we've debated about it on, you know, what kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, chief or whatever you want to call it, leader, you know, uh, which one's the better one, authoritative, relaxed, strict, um, you know, it dipped in between, um, you know, one foot in the other, one side and the other, one another foot in the other side. Really what it comes down for me is, what, what it boils down for me is, is that what it, uh, what it comes down to me is that, um, I prefer someone that's competent. Um, if you're competent in your job, you know what you're doing. You're you 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 make it makes sense to everyone. Well, it, it may not make sense to every everyone, but for the most part, I'd say ninety eight percent or something like that. Then that's the person that I actually would follow. I mean, I've had a guy. I mean, when I was in the military over in Iraq, there were my, our commander was actually pretty pretty good. Um, he didn't, uh, overly, uh, he didn't do over, uh, over the top uh, operations that got everyone killed. Thank God we didn't get anyone killed. We only got injuries. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it, he, it, it was sound. It really was sound. And he actually listened to his, you know, first sergeant and, uh, all the senior leaders and everything that have been with the troops for a long time and has seen combat before Iraq. And he actually took that into an account. And, you know, weigh the, weigh the, and someone that, you know, can weigh the, uh, the, uh, the penalties to whatever decision he's doing. Yeah. I mean, so really it, it comes down to competency and whether or not, you know, your job, if you know your job, I'm probably going to follow you more than likely. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. So when it comes to like authoritative and relaxed, I prefer more authoritative in certain situations, relaxed in those that obviously need to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my long way of describing that because I've been, I've been asked that question God knows how many times and it's just, yeah, that's my, that's my answer. <laughs> well, I, um, Obviously, I'm a teacher and so have had many principles. And I also like 
a competent, effective principle. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of one that's, I like to compartmentalize. So it's, if you are running the school well, then that's great, you know, and I appreciate that and I respect that and definitely willing to follow and try new things and, you know, go the distance with that principle. Um, fortunately, the ones that I have not respected, they try too hard to be the relaxed, the friend. I'm like, no, you're not my friend. You're my principal. You evaluate me. You run the school. Um, stop trying to be my friend um, and do your job, you know? And I, I tend to take that perspective with my students, although I'm very... And I, I don't want us to sound harsh, but it's like, I'm your teacher and I'm not your friend. Um, and so you're going to learn things. You're going to, you know, these are my expectations while in my classroom, um, you know, outside of the classroom, you know, if you come after school, it's still, we're very math focused and my kids do come to appreciate it. And they say, they always tell me that they learn a lot in my class. And, and I'm grateful for that because I think that is my role. I'm not, I, in the beginning, when I first uh, was teaching, I've been teaching now 16 years. And the reason why I got my master's in educational counseling was because these kids were coming to me with their problems. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to know how to handle all of these situations that kids are going through. Um, and I've noticed that as time has gone on, they don't open up that much to me anymore, probably because I have put that distance there. But in my situation, I feel that that's best for me. Um, and I also appreciate that as far as principles go, just sort of all work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some of the, some of the best teachers I've ever had, uh, were actually those ones just, just like, like how you were describing is that, you know, um, by the book strict and, you know, had that relationship, you're a student, I'm the teacher. What I say is, you know, obviously the, the lesson plan and whatnot, we're not going to stray away from that. And, um, definitely one of, yeah, I've learned so much more from those, uh, from those teachers than those who, I, I hope they're not listening <laughs> because two of them are f actually friends on Facebook and they just retired. Um, but like, I, I never, I didn't learn anything. It was, it was, they made it sound like they were a joke and I hate saying it like that, but I mean, it's, uh, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I, in, in crazy enough, they're females and I'm not saying that I don't, I'm not saying I respect, I don't respect females, but it doesn't matter if you're a female or male or anything like that. If you can't control your classroom, why are you there? Yeah. <laughs> really, that's how I see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, sorry, we're on a tangent now, but I had a <laughs> middle school English teacher and it was her first year teaching. And I remember back then as a student saying, oh my gosh, if I were a first year teacher, I would never one tell the class that you're a first year teacher. And I never did my first year. And, um, she, all I remember was that she went to Italy for the summer and she, I mean, I know all about her personal life and I thought, my gosh, that's not why I'm here in school. I'm, I'm trying to learn English. And 
I mean, I remember her for those reasons. And, and so I guess if she wanted to be remembered, then she did, but not for what I think is the right reasons. So I, I, that stuck with me ever since middle school. I never had a teacher like that at all. Wow. I had, I had strict, the normal, you know, strict, taught the class, got the point across, we learned the lesson. And then I had jerk, but I never had like overly nice. Like that might've been <laughs> welcomed at that point. Cause most of mine were overly jerk. Like, I don't know, maybe it's New York. They hate us. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for you to say it. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I went to public school for a long time and it was rough. And then I went to Catholic school and it was rougher. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> they don't have spikes on the end of the rulers? <laughs> Not anymore. I just missed that. I did in first grade get my mouth taped shut for talking at lunch. Oh, I would love Ooh. to do that. At lunch? <laughs> It was lunch. Well, was, not lunch, but in my class. No. I spent three <laughs> days in that school, and then I went back to public school. Oh, my goodness. The dark yeah. secrets of Amy Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I hope my grandmother doesn't listen to this podcast, because I don't think she knows that story. Oh. Um, she does Star Trek, by the way. So. <laughs> Oh. My goodness, that that's got to be hard. Oh so, man, so I get real bad tangent. Like I said, jerk, right? So yep. I talked to the kid in front. We had to eat lunch in our classrooms in first grade because mm. you weren't old enough to go to the cafeteria yet in that Catholic school, and it wasn't huh. Catholic. But I didn't have a nun as a teacher. Um, but she, she taped my mouth shut, and I had to go to gym that way. My mom lost her mind when I got home and found out and went down to the school the next day to ask the teacher why my mom and the teachers took one look at my mom's face from the door and didn't leave the building. And that was my last day of Catholic school till high school. Wow. Wow. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I can, you can't even do that now. <laughs> oh, that's insanity. Even, even though there are some kids that do deserve it. <laughs> oh, I, I teach the apprenticeship in my, in my um, union. And again, like you said, some teachers, like a lot of the newer teachers, I'm one of the newer teachers. Again, I don't tell them that. Although I do tell them I've only done electrical work for three days. So don't expect much from me. Uh -huh. um, but, but, and I've done it for 10 years, but uh, they, a lot of the newer teachers that came in when I did, like you, you could tell they were, they were recently apprentices. So they still kind of want to be buddy, buddy. And Hey, they go to the same bars the apprentices go to and hang out with them, have a couple of drinks before class. And, and then you walk in their classroom and they're just running amok. I mean, the kids don't pay attention. The guy's writing on the board and they're throwing papers back. It's like, is this fifth grade or, or is this a career move? Like, yeah. yeah. You do need to have, again, that, in my opinion, that distance to accomplish your directive, you know? And I think Picard understands that as being older. You know, Kirk was in his thirties. Right. Um, but I think he's the oldest captain of them all. And I think he's learned that lesson. What? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call him old. I call him older, like oldest or whatever. <laughs> he's well, very he's old, the most very mature. <laughs> yeah. He, he's the most elder. Of uh, yeah. Elder. I don't know about mature. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well uh, okay. So, no, we're splitting hairs again. Yes. Uh, mature. All right. I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would you say is mature? Well, I think Cisco is. I think okay. So if we okay, if we were just if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, okay. So I think Cisco is actually at the bottom. 
for when it comes to maturity. Cause I really, now as he grows older and everything, cause he's, I mean, first of all, we started with serious as an, as a very young inexperienced commander, um, yeah, he, he saw Comet in 359, but that was what he went back to Earth and basically uh, became a hermit, basically, is what he did, um, hiding uh, in it and whatnot. Now, I'm not saying anything bad with it, the depression, whatever, and, and whatnot, you can uh, t- towards the story. But like, um, you know, as he as he got as he got to the old uh, at the end of the series. Yes, I would say he's very mature, that father type um, mm-hmm. to me. I really, I, I'm a huge fan of enterprise. I absolutely love Archer. <laughs> and in, in the reason why is because Archer is one of those commanders that he truly was a pioneer. He was, he was a guy that, uh, that basically wrote the book before the book ever even existed. And, you know, even before Picard, I'm sorry, not Picard, even before Kirk, I mean, he, basically wrote the protocol for, um, you know, first contact, uh, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, surveying planets and just even exploring in general charting starts and and whatnot. And that's, I think he's the more mature commander only because of mainly because of that, because yeah, the cards are good. I mean, he's a good captain. Don't get me wrong, but it's, but the problem, the problem I have with, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) No, I don't have a problem with Kirk. <laughs> but the problem I have with Picard is, is that um, but, there's not much growth in him. I mean, yeah, there's the personal relationship, and that's kind of what I didn't like about Picard. Um, I mean, I liked his growth, uh, his personal growth, and you know, trying trying to have a girlfriend or a, a love life, or even a personal, or even hobbies or something like that. That's great. But you really don't see him grow professionally, or at least I didn't see it that way. Because, um, like you know, the, yeah, he might be. He, he leans on his uh, on his um, on those who are experts in their fields and whatnot. But like, it doesn't. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like he was like like every other captain. Like everyone felt like they grew professionally. You know, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know. Huh, that's interesting. And and you bring up an interesting point because you say that we don't see him grow, but yet I think out of all the captains, he's one that has the most culture, the most hobbies that we get to see actual episodes about. I mean, you can say Cisco likes baseball. Okay. Well, what else? Uh, Janeway likes coffee and to take baths. You know, um, well, oh, and she does her, she likes, uh, and changing people on, uh, changing holograms to their, to her, uh, fancy. Yeah. That's how it's <laughs> going there with that hologram. Yeah. But you know, I mean, we learn about Picard, like he loves archeology. span There've been a couple episodes based around that captain's holiday and the Iconian and the, uh, the one on season six where the professor gives them that thing. Anyways. Um, so there's a bunch of episodes where we're talking about Picard's hobbies other more so than any other of the cap- captains. Like he reads Shakespeare. He does all of his readings and even the non the fictional books like Dixon Hill, you know, I mean, we see so much more and different sides of Picard. 
uh, that we don't see with other captains. And Archer, he likes that volleyball in the water. What's that called? Polo. Water polo. polo. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> don't scream at me. Whatever their version of DVDs are, I guess. Or yeah. Or cable. <laughs> you know, collars. so I mean, each captain has their thing, but we've got Picard with multiple outside hobbies that are, you know, featured throughout the season or throughout the series. So it's interesting still that we know more about Picard, but yet he still isn't, doesn't have that relationship with his commanding officers. Well, what I, what I meant by like professionalism um, or, or, you know, his career or something like that, we really don't see him make mistakes. I mean, okay. He, he ran to a uh, trap on Celsius or is it Celsius three? Is that, is that the, is that the one where, um, uh, Which where, one? um, oh yeah, you have to make me think about that, huh? <laughs> okay, so no, you know, we see we don't really see Picard making mistakes. I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Is like, yeah, we do see him culture, like, cause like what we um, Archer, uh, uh, crap, I can't remember what Archer did, but I'll come back. Well, to it. Like, you know, Kirk almost kills uh, kills a crew member and almost faced a penalty in court martial. Friggin' um, uh, Janeway, uh, basically. Um, almost made a mistake with uh the equinox uh well, she made a mistake in the first episode too she well, could have gotten back i mean the show doesn't exist then yeah hey, if she really <laughs> cared more about the crew than anything else she gets sent home Th- that's true that's very true that 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 is very true yeah and you know and even cisco has made a couple mistakes where you know it, it could have gone one way or the other and it actually foiled on i can't i i, I can't think of the episode name but i i, I remember him killing uh people by accident but i mean that's what i'm talking about like we really don't see picard making a mistake and it, it to me it, he's like this perfect captain uh so to speak yet he's not perfect in his relationships that is and and that's what i meant by professionally so yeah yeah it's 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 weird because like you said they they don't give him these relationships but then they never capitalize on that fact they 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 capitalize the the relationships with everyone else like when um in deep space nog when uh, deep space nog deep space nine when nog gets injured um that was a relationship that Cisco started out with kind of getting him into, into Starfleet just to get him to go away to where he actually cares about his Starfleet career towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would split hairs with you on though, is that when, when that show starts, he's a, he's only a commander and not a captain. So he shouldn't be as mature as a captain as the other captains were. Didn't I say that? Oh. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> you might, but, but I don't think he should be as mature because he's not actually a captain. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So, I yeah, going back to that, how long had Janeway been a captain? Do we know? Or the other captains? I mean, obviously, Archer, no one had been out in Archer, space before. So he's, he becomes at that moment. I think yeah. all of them do. I, I think. Um, Cisco's the only one that we really didn't start out as a captain and an experienced captain. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I think what she means is like, did Kirk have five years before the start of, of the original series? Was yeah. when did he become it? Was it before the show? Was it the beginning? Like captain Picard was captain beforehand. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, uh, well, well, it, uh, a battlefield commission, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> on the stargazer. Yeah. Yeah. But he still has that, that experience, you know, and, um, like, like Archer had no experience. It was here. Here's the keys. Go have fun. Right. Um, you know, com- uh, Cisco's just a commander when he starts, but I don't really know what the answer to that is for the other, 
captains or whatever. I, I do believe I do believe Voyager was Chainway's first command and she just got promoted. I'm not I don't think they really don't talk about that. Or at least not the, not to my knowledge they do. But I think Kirk, Kirk that was the second five years. I think it is. Yeah, I believe so. But yeah. Because they make him an admiral right after Right afterwards. Yeah, um, so it couldn't true. have been his first five years unless they were really short on admirals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would suck. <laughs> There's like three of them in a room and they decide everything, you know, but um, <laughs> it just, so they kind of accelerate his career path anyway. Um, I find it funny that you say that, that uh, you felt that, that uh, Cisco was on the bottom maturity wise, but then raises, uh, because I find towards the end when he leaves the baseball, that's one of the most immature things you could do. During no, the, the it says a message. It says yeah. a message. Go, Jerry. Um, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, it's confidence. <laughs> if, they, if they didn't know he was coming back, they were crazy. <laughs> it was a cool scene when he's like, "Why do you leave a baseball?" And uh, Ducat, Ducat, yeah, goes, yeah. "Oh, he's telling, he's telling us he's coming back." And they're like, "No, he's not." And the rest <laughs> of us are watching, going, "He better." I mean. <laughs> And thus ends D Space Nine at season five. <laughs> yeah, that you know, would be a short, very short series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would totally be terrible. But <laughs> he just leaves and says, "The heck with it. I don't need this." But see, I think that whole thing shows his relationship towards just the Bajoran people in general, because Starfleet didn't want him fighting for that base. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to leave, and he found his way out of it was to leave, but not really. I mean, he always knew he was coming back and he left them to just put up with whatever they had to put up with till he could return. Now, if he was Picard, he leaves. You think he would leave? I think so. The Federation said, we're leaving, we're leaving. I mean, eventually they'd have to spin it back or there is no show, but it wouldn't be his decision. He wouldn't be running back to the Federation to demand it. I think like Riker or so, or someone like that would be would be like conjuring up some kind of plan or something like that to actually stay or at least slow the advance. Yeah, but, but probably. But it, again, it would be Riker. Yeah, you know yeah, he played true. the relationship role in that in that whole thing because Picard does. And for all the times, I mean, I guess when I watched it the first time, I didn't realize just how many times Picard says the, the words, uh, "We can't interfere." <laughs> he does <laughs> he all does. the time it's, he does. it's funny because everyone remembers that captain kirk you know sleeps with a lot of blue women and it doesn't really happen that much and they, he says beam me up scotty and it never happens not once ever he never said those words but yet we don't remember that he talks about non-interference all the time almost as much as to paul hmm. so you could say he's like the vulcan of the crew <laughs> yeah, I mean, close enough right i mean but he he really he, he really like it's just that he his whole his whole thing is just whatever the federation says that's what we're gonna do so he's a no i'm not gonna say attaboy no that's a no no he's not really that because he does i mean uh, it can be i, I don't want to make this sound like we're like destroying picard either because i actually <laughs> love him as a captain but as far as friendliness versus just being a captain, he was by far the most captain captain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we do have um, the last episode 
all good things, as you know, where uh, he does end up joining the poker game. And I think that that, as we know, that ends the series, but that's the last scene that we see. And so it really is a stark contrast to what we've seen all seven years, but it's something, at least in my mind, where it's like he's now opening himself up to these relationships and in the future, uh, you know, as they ride off into the sunset, basically, that he is really a part of the crew and that they are his family. Oh yeah. But yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. He de- definitely, uh, and you know, that ending was perfect. I mean, granted he, he was distant from everyone and early, or, or at least it seemed like it was, even though when reality is, is that they were actually all really close. Um, but like what we saw on screen and everything and whatnot. It, yeah. He definitely was very distant from his crew and, um, yeah, I mean, that was a perfect ending. I, I thought it was a perfect ending. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was great. He shows up at the poker game. He's like, oh, wow. Why Why haven't I, you know, I should have done this earlier. And their answer to him was, you were always invited. You know, and now he, he kind of sees it back as, wow, maybe I should have done this before. And it does pave the way for other relationships that form throughout the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's in the movies, he's clearly closer to everyone. And he's trying to find, uh, like, when, well, he's not trying to find, but when he finds a woman to be romantic with, he, he wants that now. Where before, um, Vosh, right? Vosh. Yeah, he, he kind of just was like, oh, you're leaving? All right, I'll see you later. You know, like, <laughs> it was kind of like weak. <laughs> but, but now he doesn't want her to go. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Uh, you do see that in uh, Captain's oh Holiday. It, no, it, yeah, Insurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean and the video, you mean the, the movie, movie that doesn't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, <laughs> the Riker maneuver. <laughs> if you look at Picard's, you know, starting with Vosh, definitely they try and say, "Oh, yeah, he likes Vosh," and then in Cupid you know, where he has to save Vosh or whatever. And then in lessons with, um, I don't know her name either. <laughs> no, I know. Oh my gosh. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Lieutenant Darren. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And that he was more open to that relationship, you know, especially after the inner light, um, you know, and so we see that changing and transforming him to being more open and then finally ending with insurrection, you know, with that relationship there. I think there is a nice progression of him opening up and becoming more vulnerable to having relationships outside of the job, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just, I find it interesting they waited until the very last episode to introduce it. Because they could have done like maybe a year, two years of that towards the end. And it would have been great, but I guess it wouldn't have made for such a great poker scene ending. And yeah, so I guess it's better off that way. And I don't, I don't write TV shows for a reason. So, <laughs> well, I, and you know, and I, I don't know if you guys have read the books um, or at least the latest books that they do actually, um, obviously the relationships with uh the relationships with uh you know Beverly and Picard as well and then um spoiler alert um Renee their son <laughs> um but like yeah i mean they definitely uh 
bridge that gap of the relationship of for Picard and, and, uh, and whatnot finally. But, and, and I, and I love what they've done to the books. I really love, uh, you know, just thinking about it and you know, how I, I'm, I'm going, I'm basing my knowledge off of uh Typhon pact. Um, uh, the last one I read, but like, I mean, I, I love the relationship that they, they actually built for Picard and it's actually a nice, it's a fitting, I guess in a sense, end, for Picard, um, for having a family and, you know, you know, finally having a family and, you know, being that emotional or at least with his, I think his wife, I think, cause I think they talked about, I think she kept her last name crusher. I think it was, I don't know. Doesn't matter, but I'm just saying like, yeah, uh, it's, it definitely, it definitely added more to it. And I, I really wish they would have done that in the TV series. It would have been a lot better for, for Picard that is. But then again, I still love every episode of TNG. So it doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> they could have added more, not 26, but 38 episodes. We're good for each season. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did really. I mean, like you said, it doesn't really matter because every episode was great anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it did seem like we were bashing him like crazy this whole thing for not being very nice to people. But, um, <laughs> but I just, I guess me, I just wish they either gave him more relationships or at least gave him a few missions that weren't just shuffling people around that made it more important that he wasn't so close to people that, that explained away why he continued that for the whole seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, it wouldn't be the flagship if he didn't run a tight ship. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in a difficult spot because of the, he is captain, you know, and I think it is a balancing act of building friendships and relationships versus being the one in command. You think so. they'll do that for discovery? Like so I know the captain's not the focus of the story or anything like that, but like, you know, is it, would it be that kind of like um, authoritative uh, militaristic captain that doesn't take complete um, that doesn't, you know, completely get into the involved in, uh, in lower crew members lives and stuff like that. I, I think they're going to, I think the, the people um, that it mostly follows are going to play the Riker role mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. discovery, you know, because it's just easier to write the main character as the social one anyway. Gives you more areas to go down. It's great if the captain's social, but it doesn't really help you if that's not your focal point of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope so. But it, that seems like a, I, I, I like what they're doing right now. I'm trying to stay away from the news too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still holding on to my prediction, September 8th, which is the day I'm getting married. So <laughs> and they're, they're going to screen it. Yeah. <laughs> so. So your final thoughts on Captain Picard, Patrick, what do you think? Um, as a captain, he's actually my second favorite behind Archer. Um, I, I like the way he, he runs a tight ship. I like the things that he does, and I like um, that he does somewhat keep himself balanced so that the ship runs well. Uh, I like his relationship with Beverly um, and Wesley. I just, I, I don't know, I, like I said before, I just wish they would have done a little more to make it worth him being so different. But at the end, they, they make it all up with the poker game. So I guess it, it all, all is well that ends well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Richard? Um, yeah, he, uh, I'm in the same boat. Archer's number one and uh, Picard's number two. Um, and yeah, I, to me, he's a very effective captain. Um, he didn't get as many people killed. Wait, did he? 
No, 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 he didn't. <laughs> but like, um, you know, some of the things that he's done, like I said, he's, he's a perfect, to me, he's a perfect captain and he's what everyone should aspire to be. Um, or at least captain wise that is. And, but the, you know, at the same time, that's also one of his greatest flaws as well is that being perfect. Also, you could, you don't know what failure looks like and you don't know what, um, real risk looks like, um, until you failed at least once or twice. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, overall, I, I, I think he's a very effective captain and, um, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as, um, Patrick. Uh, I really wish there would have been more episodes of him having at least a life beyond, um, beyond the ship further than what we saw. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. A greater interaction with the crew. Um, cause it's always giving commands, solving a problem, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that a captain needs to do and those decisions weigh heavy on you and it's lonely at the top type of thing. Um, I think where, I think because they were trying so hard at the beginning to be so different from the original series, that that was a way, um, because like you said, the Kirk, Spock and uh, Bones, you know, they were such good friends. And so this was a way to distinguish between the original series and this new series coming out. And so they sort of split the Kirk, right? You know, with Captain Picard being the authoritarian and Riker being the fun loving guy. And I think they sort of just fell into that comfortable zone of that's where it was. And so that I think that's sort of where it's at. I hope, like you said, discovery, um, that they can find a better balance and they've had so many series come after the original series that I think it will, um, I think we'll see a better interaction um, between that and see the captain be more personable, I, I would hope. I Captain Picard is my favorite captain. I'm sure that's no surprise to you or the listeners, as I love Next Gen. Um, I think he plays it perfectly, and I like his distance. And to me, um, it makes sense in my mind because he does have to send people out to die in worst case scenarios. So I think that distance not only uh, keeps the respect of the crew, keeps it fair, um, but protects his emotional well-being as well. So those are my thoughts on Captain Picard. Well, talking about captains isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on the network. Here is a quick look at what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the 602 Club. We really devote so little time to our title character. I was really struck by that in this rewatch. I haven't seen this movie since it first came out in theaters. But I was struck by just how little time it feels like Thor's on the screen and how little they delve into his motivation. Melodic Treks. I said, this is leisure suit music. This is what somebody thinks is hip music in 1971. You know, when I listened to it again, when you when you sent me the, uh, the, the link to the, the audio, my thought immediately went to two films, which it turns out he scored, Our Man Flint and In Like Flint. Literary Treks. I'm glad we reread this because at the time I did read this, it was when the new movie was out, but now that we've had the three movies, as you just mentioned, and I've seen Star Trek 09 about 
a hundred times. I'm very familiar with the movie and not as much as with the comic now because I've only read it maybe a few, a couple of times. To the journey! I've just got this vision now of Janeway there. Who's a good voyager? Who's a good girl? Well, she liked to, you know, stroke stroke the halls and everything. So Tom Paris would be like, who's a good girl? You want to go want to go for a ride? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network at Trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPod, iPad, Kindle, Android, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards. For example, $5 a month gets you into our patron zone. You get exclusive content and access to our early release of all of the shows. At the $15 a month, you get to participate in our monthly roundtable discussions. They are so much fun, and that's how I got started on the network. At $25 a month, you get associate producer credits for any podcast you choose. At this time, we would like to thank our current Patreon associate producers, Michael Huter and Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey. Another way to help out the network and get cool stuff is to visit Redbubble. At redbubble.com slash shop slash trekfm, you can find amazing designs for t-shirts, pillows, phone cases, and more. And with each purchase, a portion of the sales goes to Trek FM. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference. You can search that on Facebook, B-A-B-E-L, or you can like the Facebook.com slash Trek FM page for show updates and other announcements. The network is also on Twitter at Trek FM. If you would like to contact Lee, Richard, or me... Amy, visit trek.fm slash contact to send us a subspace message or find us on social media. Well, we'd like to thank Patrick for coming on Earl Grey. Patrick, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, Well, I'm always hanging around the the Babel Conference. Um, That's pretty much the easiest place to find me. Or I can be found on uh, Twitter as well at Magic Drop 5. And Richard? Well, they can only find they can find me exclusively only on the Babel Conference, and that's all I'm at. So, um, with my Twitter fiasco that I haven't fixed yet, yeah, uh, that's yeah. How about yourself, baby? <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, um, but my favorite place is the Babel Conference. Love hearing uh, people's comments and talking about the different shows on the network. So, join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die! (laughs) Great joy and gratitude. Mm